From the virtual newsroom of Impact Alpha, this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, March 5th. I'm Brian Walsh. Today, I'm joined once again by Impact Alpha's David Bank and Imogen Rose-Smith to discuss the latest big private equity funds looking to make a splash in Impact. Hi, David. Hi, Imogen. Hey, Brian. Hi, Imogen. It's great to have the band back together again. It's good to be back. But first, here's what you need to know from this week in Impact Investing. Jigger Shaw of Generate Capital will lead the Department of Energy's loan office. Podcast listeners know that Shaw had a big vision for Generate, which raised $1 billion to finance things like energy-efficient HVAC systems, biogas digesters, and microgrids. The DOE's loans office has $40 billion to lend to accelerate the low-carbon transition. Jigger was recently a guest on our Agents of Impact podcast. I mean, we definitely need 25 million new people to get to work, to be able to decarbonize at the scale that we need to decarbonize, right? That's a lot of jobs. Other podcast guests were in the news as well. Brent Castle and Rachel Robiscotti were on the Reconstruction podcast to talk about their Due Diligence 2.0 initiative to challenge racial bias in asset allocation. This week, Kessel's Abacus Wealth Management firm acquired Robiscotti and Philpson, which specializes in social justice strategies. And in another sign of consolidation among financial advisory firms, this week, Cornerstone Capital, which manages a bit more than a billion dollars in assets, was acquired by Pathstone, which has nearly $25 billion under management. Why? Client demand. Cornerstone was purpose-built for sustainable and impact investing. Exxon wasn't the only oil major scrambling to keep up with the energy transition. Chevron stood up a $300 million corporate venture capital fund for low-carbon tech. It's Chevron's second future energy fund. The first one was $100 million and invested in 10 companies, including ChargePoint, the electric vehicle charging network, and Blue Planet, which does carbon capture. And continuing the run of big raises for alternative protein, Mosa Meat in the Netherlands closed $85 million for its beef grown in labs from cow cells without harming the cows. The company says it can make 80,000 beef burgers from just one sample. And now it's time for our future conversation. Once again, it's great to have our old returns on investment band back together. Impact Alpha's David Bank and Image Rose Smith on the docket today. Impact private equity. Now, David, this week you reported on the new $1 billion global impact fund being raised by private equity big giant Apollo Global, which, by the way, has about $455 billion in assets. What's going on here? Well, Brian, it's the sort of latest, Apollo's the latest, you know, it's the string of big private equity firms that have kind of stood up these sort of billion dollar or so funds within the, within the larger Firm. So TPG Rise, folks know about. KKR has one. Bain Capital raised, just raised its second one. And Blackstone is in the game as well. And this was really just a catch up, really, with Lisa Hall, who's the chair of Apollo's Global Impact platform and sort of an update on where they've they've got to they haven't they haven't closed the fund yet and i don't think they've even officially announced that it, it's raising a billion dollars but that's kind of an open secret um and and lisa who's an old-time veteran impact investing practitioner has recruited about another dozen folks also long-time impact uh practitioners to come in as an advisory committee 
which, you know, you might think is kind of a, a, a slow news day kind of story to appoint a committee. But it was interesting to us in so far as um, these folks are putting their name for starters to Apollo, and they're also putting their time and energy. And they're also now kind of getting access, as you said, to this $455 billion platform. And I thought it was interesting to see whether they'll be able to sort of work their wiles inside the machine, as it were. We used to have a a concept, um, uh, we sort of retired it because um, it doesn't really work in the current context. We sort of talked about agents of impact infecting the host and that the logic. Why, why, why wouldn't that? Why wouldn't that work, David? In the current in the current environment. Well, let's just say we have to think of a new metaphor. But the idea was that the logic and the practices and and the approaches of impact investing would kind of work their way into the broader portfolios and into the broader practices of these firms as people see the you know the advantages and presumably ultimately the performance. So. Um, so that's what we're kind of watching for, whether the practices of impact investing infect places like Apollo or, you know, as it as you know, as it were, you know, the other way around. Now, Imogen, I can see that you are a skeptic uh, of, of this take of the uh, infecting the host. Uh, what's your take on on the rise of private equity funds, you know, mainstream big name uh, private equity funds launching impact themed funds? You know, I mean, I do think there is a lot to be said for the mainstreaming of impact investment. I think it's come a long way. And I think, you know, some of what these funds are doing is interesting. But as this progresses, you know, the the, the more and more skeptical I'm getting about it and the grumpier I'm getting about it. You know, and I, and I think Apollo in many regards is one of the most egregious actors here, right? So, you know, Apollo was into what was then called ESG like a decade ago, right? They had to be, they came into it through a deal they did that sort of forced them to start looking at the environment. Um, and they had attorneys and they were sort of playing around with the edges. If they really wanted to get into this space, they could have done it and they could be in it in a big way and they're not, right? So, you know, and for, for them to say, you know, to, to say that they're raising a billion, not be coy about saying they're raising a billion dollars and not even have really raised it yet. Like, and to be doing all of this when, when, you know, they have 460 billion in assets, like they could raise a billion dollars in a second if they really wanted to. Um, and to be doing all of this against the backdrop of Leon Black stepping back, all the stuff to do with Epstein, and more importantly, all to do all the, the reason he'd hired Epstein, which was to stop him from paying more in taxes. Like, that's what we should be concerned about. And I think the parents' cynicism of Apollo rolling out its impact business during this time when there are some, you know, real question marks against the firm is pretty egregious and appalling. And, you know, I think it's true that they've put together a really prestigious and impressive group of people who are, you know, supposedly going to help Apollo with their impact investing. But, you know, I looked at the front page of the Wall Street Journal today, and there was an article on Apollo buying a casino business and an article on Apollo buying a big box retail business that's already gone bankrupt once, right? This does not look like impact investing to me. And, you know, I don't think anyone realistically thinks that Apollo is truly going to change its stripes for the rest of its business. So I think, you know, we've gone from the moment of, woohoo, look at mainstream getting into impact to, you know, is this just a sort of a co-option of impact? And does it, you know, is this sort of, 
an effort to maintain the status quo in finance and, you know, have the, the white men at the top of the tree take all of the money and not pay much in taxes and not really pursue the agenda that impact is meant to be pursuing, which in part must have something to do with democratizing finance if we're going to democratize society in general and achieve the goals that impact investing is there to achieve. So I am feeling particularly grumpy about this Apollo story. Well, let me be the first to say that I completely agree with Imogen um, because that is... This is a a first. (laughs) Because that's (laughs) incontrovertibly true. But I will say that the... um, And and just as as an example, when we put this story out the other day, uh, somebody that we know in the impact world tweeted that story in distinction to another story that was on the front page, which was about Leon Black and other executives at Blackstone getting huge payouts last year for you know the profits of the firm and, and, and raising the question of whether they should be held to task for you know excessive um, CEO compensation as a driver of income inequality. And my point was, that's exactly what I'm talking about, is that they were holding up Leon Black's executive compensation to the standards of the impact investing fund that Apollo was also standing up. So at least it kind of gives you a place to stand. It gives you something to, you know, ways to point out perhaps the hypocrisy and, um, and, 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 you know, and a way, and a way no to talk listening. about these issues. Like, I don't think Leon Black cares if Impact Alpha, you know, uses this to point out the hypocrisy of him making a lot of money, not paying taxes and hanging out with pedophile Jeff Epstein. You've, you've, you've cut me to the quick, Imogen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think he's even listening to this podcast. Leon, Leon, send a sign. Um, uh, the other thing, the other point I'd make is that, you know, something that we, we uh, another, you know, one of our little tropes that we, we, we trot out, which is follow the talent. And it's not just um, this this advisory committee at, at Apollo, but you know we reported uh, this week as others did that uh, Jigger Shah, who's been a guest on on these podcasts um, from Generate Capital, is going to the Department of Energy. You know everybody was excited when Generate you know raised a billion dollars to do to finance sustainable infrastructure. Now Jigger is going to have forty billion dollars in this uh, loan program that the Department of Energy has to accelerate the low carbon transition. So. The, you know, the agents of impact are getting inside the machine and they're starting to be able to, you know, pull some levers. Uh, John Goldstein at Goldman Sachs, who who many people in impact investing know, um, is sending out a report on their pledge to put $750 billion towards sustainable investing uh, before 2030. And I think they've, they're claiming that they've got to $156 billion so far. And, you know, you can dispute, you know, I'm sure parts of those, that report and what it all means. But the point is, there's starting to be, you know, people with kind of the transformative idea of what finance could do now occupying positions inside these organizations. And they want to have their influence. They're not there to just be window dressing, I I imagine, um, at least not all of them, and they want to make their mark. So um, as people move in to these positions and as the logic takes hold, I think, you know, you start to see um, um, some interesting things happening. And I, I think that's an interesting personal question, right? Like, do you do you have more influence inside the machine or outside the machine? Um, you know, was John Gold, John Goldstein more more influential running imprint, or is he more influential within Goldman Sachs? I think that's it's a legitimate question, and I think it's you know it's a question that people have to ask themselves. You know, I think in the question of the Apollo Impact Committee, 
you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, you, you will in some degree be able to judge their effectiveness by how long does this committee stick around for? If they really are having an influence, then yeah, that you can see how that can be incredibly powerful. You know, if they're just there as, you know, window dressing, then you can see, you know, that personally will become very frustrating and you'll see people leave. Well, I think it's not just it's not just how long they stick around because it's not just, you know, sort of sticking around. It's 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 whether they you know, whether there really is an opportunity and whether they take it to do to to introduce Apollo to a different way of thinking about things. One one in particular um, jumps out of the list is Maurice Jones, who has just recently left as CEO of the local initiatives support corporation LISC which is a leader in, is, is a community development finance institution and a leader in kind of um, a whole bunch of kind of initiatives around, um, around uh, community development, um, had a huge influence in the past year um, through the pandemic, uh, bringing corporations, Netflix and others into, into the fold to support kind of community lending, um, is now working on something called 110, which is an um, initiative to get a million uh, black Americans uh, hired, promoted, upskilled, um, in 10 years, and there's a whole kind of skill development um, strategy there. He's now unleashed inside Apollo. And Lisa Hall told us, you know, introducing folks to kind of community development ideas that Apollo really has never, you know, thought about. Um, so there's those kinds of opportunities, um, perhaps, and we'll see. I just think, look, I mean, business as usual has been incredibly effective for Apollo, and it's made them very rich. Like, why would they want to do anything different? The, the, the incentives for them to change, it's, it's you know, the only real incentive they have is optics. And frankly, again, until public pension plans truly start pulling their money instead of just kind of like being a bit upset, like there's very little reason for them to change. Well, I think you're again, I totally agree with you. It's, you know, it's the it's the asset owners at the at the at the pension fund level and, and elsewhere that are going to actually dr drive this. But they're going to want to get on the right side of history, the right side of the future economy. And then Why? Uh, the wrong side of history has been great for them. World, world, world is changing. <laughs> Reassessment of risks, new opportunities, technology cost curves. I don't know. There's got to be some reason to, 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 to that we're all uh, uh, trying to work out these new arrangements now. Well, no, and I think that's why, like, you know, that's why all these private equity funds have like small impact businesses, right? Because they do see an opportunity and they do see an opportunity for profit, but they clearly see, still see, continue to see a much larger opportunity for profit in the business as usual business, because that's still the majority of their business, right? I think these two things can be true at the same time. So David, just to clarify though, on the, the this impact committee that Lisa Hall is setting up at Apollo, um, is this a committee to uh, kind of weigh in on the $1 billion impact fund? Or is it a committee to weigh in on the 400 plus billion dollars across their portfolio? I think officially, um, I may be wrong on this, and it could, should be clarified. But I think officially, it's to weigh in on the practices of the fund itself, um, which will, you know, it take stakes in companies and the ideas. How do you measure and and report and and drive impact in the companies that that they're um, investing in through the impact fund? One interesting thing, for example, that they did is they set out these key performance indicators, impact performance indicators, and the two managers of the fund um, whose compensation has will be, you know, is tied as many, you know, most private equity managers um, are to the, the, the carried interest to the profits that those uh, that the portfolio companies make, though those that carried interest that um, compensation will be tied to these impact 
performance indicator. So that's a, a kind of practice that impact funds do that I don't think private equity funds have done it particularly in the past. And, and and the other kind of critique that comes in to, to play with these kind of deals is, um, is this a way of signaling to the broader market that impact is a serious strategy? Is it bringing in additional capital to the space or is it crowding it out? Is is uh, is the very fact that, uh, you know, Apollo is just the latest in um, mainstream fund managers to offer billion plus uh, dollar funds. Does that crowd out the more impact first or the, the, the more impact native <laughs> uh, fund managers out there? Because uh, why would you why would you go with um, uh, an impact native uh, fund manager uh, when you can go with a brand name like Apollo? So I'm going to alienate every, everyone with this one. On the one hand, yes, I think that's entirely true. Um, I think that what a lot of investors will do is be like, well, I invested in, in the Apollo Impact Fund or I invested in TPG Rise, um, so that's my impact investment done. You know, someone like one of those liberal arts universities that has a impact allocation in their portfolio, you could very easily see them being like, okay, I've got, you know, these two big private equity impact funds, I'm done, right? I mean... On the other hand, um, so yeah, basically, I agree that that's the case. On the other hand, I do think that, you know, the sort of, as you call them, impact native impact funds should like suck it up and suck a little less and be more institutional, right? Like, if you want to get institutional capital, then you have to look like an institutional manager and you have to have institutional style types of returns and you have to have a track record. And which is not to say it's easy. Well, I think that's a, a good place to leave it for this conversation. Uh, great to have you back, Imogen Rose-Smith. And great to have you, as always, David Bank. Always good to be here with both of you. Good to be here with you, with you too. All right. Well, that's going to do it for your Impact Briefing this week. You can read all of these stories at impactalpha.com. Impact Alpha's podcasts are available wherever you listen, including where you're listening right now. They're made possible by Impact Alpha subscribers. Join them and receive the daily brief and full access to Impact Alpha content. Podcast listeners get $100 off their annual subscription. Go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and use the code briefing100 for $100 off. Thank you for listening. And thanks to our producer, Isaac Silk. I'm Brian Walsh, head of impact for the fintech company Liquinet. Until next time, take good care.